our scripture reading today comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 32 to 39. Let's listen to the word. That evening at sunset, people brought to Jesus those who were sick or demon-possessed. The whole town gathered near the door. He healed many who were sick with all kinds of diseases, and he threw out many demons. But he didn't let the demons speak because they had to keep silent. Early in the morning, well after sunrise, Jesus rose and went to a deserted place where he could be alone in prayer. Simon and those with him tracked him down. When they found him, they told him, everyone is looking for you. And he replied, let's head in the other direction to the nearby villages so that I can preach there too. That's why I'm here. And he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and healing every disease. Then to hear the word of the Lord. Thank you. 
Jason Whitmer Early, um, who wrote the book. Some of us will be reading together about one thing that looks like it might kill you or always give you hope. He is a tough condition like we all have in many ways, but so much of his work, his faith, his purpose in this life was tied to what he accomplished. His journey is an interesting one. It was as he was working as a missionary in China in his 20s that he felt called to law school. In China, he witnessed the powerful role the arenas of law and business have in shaping the world, and he felt God calling him to be a missionary in those areas. So he and his wife moved back to the United States from China so he could attend Georgetown Law School. As he was completing law school and preparing for the bar exam, he recognized how well life was going, how much he had accomplished, how on track everything seemed to be, except for one thing. He was tired, like really, really tired. He had this intense drive to be good at everything he did, so he was relentless in his his years in China, he would wake up early to study Mandarin every morning, and then after long full days, would stay out late building relationships and hanging out with his fellow missionaries in China. In law school, he says, life became an endless series of calendar alerts, appointments, resume-building activities, and studying late into the night, which was just the name of the game at the time. He says that being overwhelmed by ambition was a way to cut I went along with it. Thought that was how you got to be a top law student, got the big firm jobs, and became a successful young lawyer by saying yes to everything and no to nothing. Eventually, after getting that great job at a big law firm, observing into the patterns of work it demanded of him, Justin found himself waking up in the middle of the night with anxiety attacks. It eventually landed him in the doctor assured him there was nothing physically wrong with him, that he was experiencing anxiety attacks and told him he just needed to slow down and to shed the information. His sleeping pills would black him out for a few hours each night, but they also came with all the side effects the pill bottle warned him would come. He would be waking during the day and wake again at nightmares at night, even suicidal thoughts. After just a few weeks of taking them, he found unstable, tired, random, struggling to focus his thoughts and memory He thankfully got off the sleeping pills, realizing that God was there to help him in the morning. But he was so scared to death of them. Becoming dependent on a few drinks each night to calm down enough to let him fall asleep. He found himself wondering how did the young Christian missionary get converted to the self-medicating Looking back on it now, he realizes this. My body had finally become converted to the anxiety and busyness I'd worshipped from when I was a teenager. All the years of a schedule built on going nonstop to try and earn my place in the world had finally rubbed off on me. And my 
it said one way. But God loves me no matter what I do. But my habits are unhealthy. But I better keep trying in order to stop addiction. Justin realized that his habits and routines would have to change if he wanted to have success. He recognized that in our culture, we value freedom. The ability to do what we want. The freedom to choose. But he found himself asking these questions. What if the good life doesn't come from having the ability to do what we want, but from having the ability to do what we need to do? What if true freedom comes from choosing the right limitations, not avoiding the limitations? And when he started looking for new ways to live this life, new habits and routines to cultivate, he found himself looking for in our freedom to choose, we rejected those limitations, rejected God's authority to try and become godlike, limitless. And in doing so, we brought the ultimate limit upon ourselves. Instead of all and abundant life, suddenly death was part of the picture. With Jesus, he was the exact one of us out of obedience to God, to enter the world as a helpless infant, to become not only human, but a pure human, a wise human, a human who loved with such power that he became a threat to those in power so they tortured him and killed him. Jesus submitted to the ultimate limitation, death, the love of you and me, and through that submission, through that death, he offers us Justin notes, we, for our own sake, tried to become limitless, and the world was limitless. Jesus, for our sake, became limitless, and the world was limitless. Justin knew he needed to set limits, boundaries, build in habits and routines throughout his days on the street if he was going to find success today. His book is all about that journey and the four daily habits and four weekly habits he adopted that dramatically changed his life. And one of those daily habits is the habit we see Jesus modeling here in the first chapter of the Gospel of John. Early in the morning, when all of the crowd was gone, Jesus rose and went to a deserted place where he could be alone and pray. Jesus knew this solitary place that speaks powerfully to you and I in the midst of our own busy lives. Early in the morning, word was gone. Jesus rose and went to a deserted place where he could be alone and pray. Justin has made this a habit. 
beginning his day with prayer instead of the things that you want him to say, most of which was to be found on the phone that doubled as his alarm clock. Work email, social media scrolling, responding to that late night text message at 10.30 that ends at 2 p.m. He begins his day with prayer to reorient himself to God's wisdom Instead of beginning his day worrying over what he had done or he had left undone from the day before. Instead of beginning his morning anxious about what all needed to get accomplished in the day to come, he instead crawls out of bed, gets on his knees, and acknowledges that he is not the Lord of the universe, but instead the God of grace and mercy. He rests there before he begins the activity of his is what this type of prayer that we see Jesus model for us looks like. It's prayer that's meant to orient us to the day ahead. Another writer I've been spending a lot of time with as of late is Emily T. Freeman, who not only has authored quite a few books, but also provided a good sermon. A friend pointed me to episode 65 of that podcast, which is entitled Take Off Your Crown. In it, Emily asks herself, Do I live in the kingdom of Emily, or do I live in the kingdom of God? She says that when it comes to my relationships, to my vocation, to the choices I make on the daily, if I fail to recognize all the ways I see myself as the queen of my own kingdom, then I am responsible for my own success as well as yours. I'm responsible for securing my own freedom, affection, and And the reality is those are not things we are meant to be responsible for because they are impossible for us. When we are in charge, when we are operating as queens and kings of our own realm, we will work ourselves to death trying to earn and secure our place in the kingdom. That's what Rhonda Johnson in the ER at 2 a.m. would sort of lead all of us to our breaking point if we don't stand in her stead. Emily knows that we have to take off our and take our place in the realm of God, to rest in God's love and grace for us, to let it be the foundation from which we step into our lives each and every day. She has words that were shared with her by a teacher of hers that have shaped her writing so far. They are these words. I am the one in whom Christ dwells and delights. I live in the strong and unshakable kingdom of God. The kingdom is not in trouble, and neither am I. I am the one in whom Christ dwells and delights. I live in the strong and unshakable kingdom of God. The kingdom is not in trouble, and neither am I. I have learned the hard way and the long way that it is essential for me to begin my days in the dark before anyone else in my life has awakened in a quiet place in prayer before my God. It's a habit of routine I have cultivated that orients me and grounds me at the beginning of my days. It's a habit in routine I've cultivated after lots of years of struggling to cultivate it in my life, reaping the consequences of that. It's time during which I have learned, time which I've been invited to take off my entire crown 
to relinquish all attempts to achieve or earn that person in our lives and instead rest in the place that was created for us in and through Jesus. Those words that shape Emily's life and heart are becoming words that shape mine, words I can do each and every morning. I am the one on whom God has invested. I live in this barren and unshakable kingdom of faith. The kingdom is not my own. It is only my father's. Your hands give you all kinds of work in the midst of a garden, in the midst of a vineyard. That work will be more measured, meaningful, and purposeful if it is done from a foundation of God's love and grace for you and for the world than if it is done from the need to secure the truth of God's kingdom. Which is why in the midst of all that work that hands will do, he often returns to the garden. For when our hands pray, they are reminded that they are also working. We and all the world are held incapable in our own hands and hearts. So am I giving? No matter where you are, no matter what you are facing, no matter what you have done, no matter what you have left undone, hear this prayer. You are the one on whom God's grace needs to rest. You live in the strong and unshakable kingdom of God. The kingdom is not controlled any longer by you. your hands get busy doing all of the work to remember your Savior, let them take some time to pray. Hands that remind you that your life and the life of this world 